Hello everybody, welcome back. Um, today I'm gonna just go over the holy days, the days that I have, um, basically, uh, in the previous episode I started getting into the festivals and stuff and I never finished it and I just wanted to make a podcast dedicated to it so it would make it easier for people to understand the festivals. So, we'll start off with the weekly Sabbath day. Um, Before we get into it, um, just to get some little background, when you examine the Bible, God instituted um, an exciting step-by-step plan for the future of mankind. Like, he planned everything out for us to continue honoring him and doing his work and living our lives righteously. Um... This blueprint that he created um, started way back in Genesis on the seventh day uh, Sabbath of rest, you know, and it starts off in Deuteronomy 5, uh, 5 verse 12 through 14 and uh, Leviticus 23, 1 through 44. And these features all interact and align perfectly to illuminate God's plan of salvation through Jesus Christ, or Yeshua, the HaMashiach. I learned that Jesus himself faithfully observed the Sabbath and these festivals throughout his entire earthly life, leaving an example for everyone to follow. 1 John 2, verse 6. So, let's start uh, getting into this. The weekly Sabbath, um, which is the seventh-day weekly cycle at the time of creation, God rested on the seventh day. And as a part of its holy time, Genesis 2, verse 1 through 3, and Mark 2, uh, 28, he commanded all people to observe the weekly Sabbath by resting. In Exodus 31, 13 through 17, and Hebrews 4 through 1 through 11. Now, What's most important to know is that under Jewish law, the Sabbath was actually technically considered on a Saturday, not a Sunday. Um, But it's a day of rest, and I think that is what most Christians today view what the Sabbath means, is to rest. Um... But it says, most importantly, Jesus diligently observed the Sabbath. Luke 4, 16, 31, 13, 10, Mark uh, 6, verse 2. Um, the apostles and un- other members of the early church in the book of Acts. Um, you know, uh, 17, 1 through 3, 18, verse 4. There's a bunch of different other verses. Um, and then we have the Passover. The Passover uh, memora- um, memorializes the miraculous event which God broke the bonds of ancient Israel's enslavement. Now, this is back during the time of Moses when Moses was chosen. He was the person that was living in Egypt. <clears throat> and he came to know people of God, the Hebrew people. And... 
God revealed himself. It was in a, God explained to him what he'd had to do, you know, and then Moses went into Egypt. Now, Moses continuously told the, the Pharaoh to let his people go, and his heart hardened, and as his heart hardened, more and more plagues occurred. Uh, you can see that the lamb's blood was placed on the lintel of the doorposts of their homes as a sign of God's protection from the plague of death upon Egypt's firstborn. Exodus 12, verse 12 through 13. Now, what's magical about that is Jesus is known as the Lamb of God. Why the Lamb of God? Because the lamb in the Sabbath was sacrificed and was given to protection for his people so they would be saved from the wrath of God. Now, parallel that to the gospel of where Jesus sacrificed himself, his own blood, to protect us from the wrath of God, from our own sins that would enact the wrath of God. Now, Scripture also reveal that, reveals that Lamb symbolized Jesus Christ. You know, um, you see that in John 1.29. He did this by willingly dying, shed his blood for every person who could be spared from eternal spiritual death. Matthew 26.28 and Romans 5.20-21. The Passover um, observance of his disciples was the night before his death. So Jesus actually was put to death during the Passover. Um, and his blood poured out to cleanse all of those who repent of their sins. Ephesians 1 verse 7 and 1 John 1 verse 7. Observing the Passover throughout his human life, his parents went to Jerusalem every year of the Feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, he went up to Jerusalem according to the custom of the feast in Luke 2, verse 41 through 42. And at the age of 30, he began his earthly ministry observing it, as he always had. Now the Passover of the Jews was at hand. And Jesus went up to Jerusalem, John 2.13. It's termed the Passover of the Jews since the Jews observed it and while the Gentiles didn't. Now, non-Jewish people never observed the Passover because it was a tradition that was passed, over, passed down from Exodus, from Moses' teaching. The non-Jew people were non-Jewish. They didn't convert to uh, Judaism or um, they weren't Jewish in any sense of the man, uh, manner. Um, they didn't follow any of the Hebrew teachings. Um, when you look at the New Testament, you have the Romans. The Romans looked at Venus and Mars and, you know, those people as their gods. And... Um, then you look into, like, Greek mythology, where you have Zeus and Aphrodite and uh, 
the Norse mythology where you have Odin and Freya and Thor and all these other people. If you notice the trend here, the Jewish people had a monotheistic god where that, their god was everything and all-powerful, where the non-Jewish people, the majority of them, were polytheistic. Now, there's a very big difference between it. Like, for example, Venus was known to be um, the god of fertility and the god of love and the god of victory. And they and Venus uh, apparently had some sort of resemblance in prostitution. She was actually compared to the goddess of Aphrodite in the Greek mythologies. Here's the, here's the, the thing that you guys got to understand. In the pagan faiths, the pagans didn't harness much restraint from their natural feelings. They let themselves fall victim to their desires. Versus in Judaism, they were meant to withhold or withstand their tempting urges. There's the big parallel and difference between these varying faiths. Pagans gave in to the natural world, and they gave in to their natural desires. They gave in to everything, versus the Jewish people didn't. The Jewish people reserved themselves. They wanted to be reserved. Not all of them were, but they, that's what their faith was about. And that's what God wants even us Christians to be about, to be reserved. Um, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, um, they baked unleavened cakes to, of the dough because they were driven out of Egypt and could not wait for they had not prepared the provisions themselves. That's Exodus 12.39. Um, in Leviticus uh, 23, 5 verse 8, there's a parallel to that uh, where they talk about the terrible bondage. In this... Um, site, the spiritual slavery of sin through Jesus Christ's sacrifice, uh, unleavened bread is symbol symbolistic of Jesus' life, unblemished by sin, which all people must strive to imitate. Jesus Christ is the bread of life, six, uh, John 6, 33, 35, 48, and 51. And at the center of this festival, he is in all of God's holy days. He has personally observed this feast, and he, as did the apostles of the church, and then and now, in Acts 20, verse 6, and 1 Corinthians 5, 6 through 8. What I'm trying to do is give you guys actual scriptures of why um, all these feasts and these things are actually um, important to the Jewish faith and through Christianity. Because Christianity is a form of Judaism. It's an Abrahamic faith. The Feast of Pentecost, God spoke about the Ten Commandments of the Israelites at Mount Sinai. Um, the Jewish tradition holding that it was the exact day. God at that time made a covenant with them stating that if they agreed to its terms they would be a special treasure to him. Exodus 19 through 1 through 8. 
The relationship was a forerunner to a far more meaningful and involving Christ's disciples on the later day of Pentecost. When, Pen when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house, and they were sitting. Then appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each other, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Acts 2, 1 through, ver 1 through 4. This defining moment not only marked the birth of the New Testament church, but began fulfilling God's promise to make the new covenant with the faithful disciples by writing his laws on their hearts and minds. Ezekiel 36, 26-27, and Jeremiah 31, verse 31-33. The members of God's church today follow the example of Jesus and his early disciples in observing this holy day, Acts 20, verse 16. By doing so, they are reminded that the hope and joy and divine transformation that God provides us through the power of His Holy Spirit. Romans 5, verse 5, and 2 Corinthians 6, verse 6, and 13, through 14. 13, verse 14. The Feast of Trumpets. Uh, in scripture, trumpets were metal instruments or ram horns, which were employed for purposes for calling people to assemble. Numbers 10, uh, 1 through 10, the alarm of a pending war in Jeremiah 4:19, and the proclamation of the king's uh, coronation in 1 Kings 1, 39 through 40. The Feast of Trumpets in the first hour, uh, in the first of four holy days of the fall harvest season in Leviticus 23:24. The weighing, uh, the weighing characteristic of the Feast of Trumpets is a vital connection to biblical prophecy, though. What a lot of people don't understand is it. Trumpets are still blasting in the announcement of the turning point of this world. In this world and in human history, the second coming of Christ in 19 and Revelation 19 verse 16. It also reminds us another key event that would occur with the trump of sound, the resurrection of Christ's faithful followers. The Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and shall remain be caught up together in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. First Thessalonians 4, 4 verse 16 through 17. Job 14, uh, 14 through 15. Romans 8, 11. First Corinthians 15, 50 through 55. Jesus walked the earth as a man. He observed the Feast of Trumpets, the return and sound of the great of the great trumpet. He will fulfilled its meaning by taking over the rule of the world and ushering God's spirit, born sons and daughters into his glorious kingdom and family, which was been prophesied by Isaiah in Isaiah 52 verse 7. And this is why God's people today keep this day holy. The Day of Atonement, which 
in my understanding, is the Jewish people's most sacred holiday. The Day of Atonement explains that Satan is a real spirit who possesses immense power to deceive people and influence them to disobey God's commandments, resulting in terrible suffering and anguish. Whether you read that in Revelation 12.9, Ephesians 2 verse 2, or 1 Peter 5 verse 8. The Atonement, the Day of Atonement, observed with fasting, pictures of marvelous time shortly after Jesus Christ's second coming. Satan, the devil, and his demons will be bound for a thousand years. Leviticus 16, uh, verse 20 through 22, and 29 through 30. The Apostle John describes in Revelation 20, verse 1 through 2, Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit, and the great chain in his hand. He laid hold of the dragon and the serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan and bound him for a thousand years. The Day of Atonement reveals that Jesus Christ's atoning sacrifice will ultimately be made available to all people for cleansing of their sins, giving everyone the opportunity to obtain salvation. John 3.17 The Feast of Tab Tabernacles the first time the Feast of Tabernacles is mentioned in Scripture is, uh, is referred to as the Feast of Ingathering. And that's in Exodus 23.16. In ancient Israel, this was the great fall harvest, where everybody joined together while thanking God for his blessings of prosperity and protection. Deuteronomy 12.10-12. through 12. During the seven-day festival, the people dwelt in temporary shelters made of, branch of branches of trees and remind them that God dwelt with and sustained them throughout their 40-year wandering in the wilderness. Uh, you can see that in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 4, and Leviticus 23, 42-43. Just as Jesus personally kept the Feast of Tabernacles, his present-day disciples did the same. John 7, uh, verse 2 through 14. Furthermore, the seven-day festival, which begins an annual holy day, Leviticus 23, 34 to 35, pictures the coming time when Christ will dwell with man on earth. Romans 11, 26. The eighth day. Immediately following the seventh-day Feast of Tabernacles adds an intensely exciting element to God's perfect plan. It reveals that Jesus Christ will complete his great harvest of human beings by raising from the dead all people who have never heard about him or learned and lived God's way of life. All these resurrected people raised to temporary physical life again will be given an opportunity for salvation and eternal life. Ezekiel 37, 1-14, Romans 11, 25-27, Revelations 20, 11-13. The Sabbath, uh, as the other holy days Jesus observed with this eighth day, the people of his, ch uh, of his true church also today. In summary, 
out of all of this, what I want you guys to gather, is God has a plan for humanity. And he gave each and every one of us an opportunity to come to him. Now, there's many of us Christians, including myself, that have celebrated Christmas and Easter. And as Jeremiah, in the book of Jeremiah, it states, do not fasten a tree, do not um, decorate it with silver and gold. Um, you know, there's different things. And people understand that we are celebrating Christmas and Easter for God. And I'm pretty sure God understands that too. But... What people don't understand is where it originated from. So the truth about Christmas and Easter is it people assume it originated from the Bible, but it didn't. The Christian observance of these days is found nowhere in Scripture. There is one place where the Passover is incorrectly translated Easter in Acts 12 verse 4 as uh, in the King James Version. Actually, Christmas and Easter emerged from ancient festivals honoring pagan gods. So, most of the Christmas customs are not, are not genuine to Christian customs, but heathen customs which have been absorbed and or tolerated by the church. Regarding Easter... The term Easter is not a Christian origin. It is from um, it is a form of an astart of one of the titles of the the Chaldean goddess or the Queen of Heaven. Easter was introduced into the uh, apostate Western religion as part of the attempt to adopt a pagan festival to Christianity. We challenge these statements. Uh, when challenged these statements, many profession Christians might justify continuing these observances by saying, shouldn't we be able to worship God any way we choose? The answer to that, according to the, um, these people, is no. For God said to not worship him with pagan religious customs, Deuteronomy 12, 29-32. Or Jeremiah 10 verse 2. The truth is God has already decided how he wants to be worshipped. Which means his own holy festivals. Otherwise as Jesus said in vain they worship me. Teaching as doctrines, teaching as doctrines the, the commandments of men. Matthew 15 verse 9. Furthermore he explained the true worshippers will worship the father in spirit and truth. John 4.23 So how about you? Are you worshipping God in these festivals? Or are you continuing following these pagan festivals? A lot of people have told me that things have changed because when the Peter became the rock of the church, that is when the Catholic Church rose up. And the Catholic Church is the one who created a lot of these doctrines. And then it, as it further came about with Constantine as an emperor, a Roman emperor, mind you, that um, way, way down the line, but uh, way in the past, you know, Pontius Pilate, which also gave the directive that, he, that uh, Jesus could be crucified for the Jewish people.
um, was a Roman himself. I'm not speaking ill of Italians or Romans or anything like that. I'm not trying to say that. I'm saying that the church has a history. And hell and Satan will never get through the church of God. But Jesus wasn't talking about a building. Because Jesus was never about a material place. Jesus never cared about material possessions. He told a person to sell all his things and give to poor and follow him. Whether or not you want to say he's rich or not, that doesn't, that's beyond the purpose. The purpose is we were never meant to have material possessions rule our lives. We were never meant to look at Christmas about how many toys or how many iPhones or laptops or clothes we could get or what kind of new TV we're going to get or a music CD or anything like that. I know, we have Spotify now. But our world is so different than the way it was supposed to be. And Satan is warped it. Everything I have stated in these festivals and in these doctrines and in all this stuff is just a hundred percent proof that Satan has devised ways to separate us. Whether it's through denominations of Christianity that we go against each other. Whether it's pagans versus Christians, whether it's atheists versus any religious organization, Muslims versus Christians, liberals versus conservatives, Black Lives Matter versus All Lives Matter, vaxxers to anti-vaxxers. What is most important in this world is that we keep our commandments we keep our faith and we keep our trust in God there's been a million times I have thought to myself just sell everything I have just get rid of it live every day as I can in complete solitude and try to help as many as I can sometimes I look at it and I don't think I'm strong enough because there's so much enjoyment to have to play video games or watch movies and stuff like that but as many people will say much like Joel Olstein, is that God wants us to prosper. His people were literally enslaved and tortured numerous times, and still to this day they have wars going on. The war, the true war, the war that has been raging since the beginning of time, 
is not a war between man. It's a war between spirits. It's a war between God. It's a war between Satan. And, it's a war, and we're the ones caught in the middle. We need to pick a side on who we're going to fight for. Are we going to fight for Satan? And be able to do whatever we want? Or are we going to fight for God and abide by his commandments? And live the way of righteousness? At the end of the day, it all comes to you. Each person is going to walk their own path. So whether you want to follow the path that God gives us, follow the festivals he gives us, follow the scriptures he gives us in the word, or would you just prefer to just live out your life the normal way? Do as you wish and see how far it gets you. At the end of this, I'm not trying to be hostile or anything. I'm actually not feeling great today. Um, I think I ate something bad. But I do want to thank you all for listening. If you have any questions or concerns, ministermartyr at gmail.com. If you want to accept um, Jesus as your Lord and Savior, um, you can go to the Sinner's Prayer. Um, you can click on it or go to Episodes, recite it, and welcome to the family. Um, Aside from that, you can follow me on Twitter uh, at Minister Martyr. It's where I um, will post all my updates. And aside from that, thank you all for listening, and God bless you all.